it's 7 o'clock at night, that's right, 1900 hours, and you're listening to the Polo Saguero Show, where the heat is on and we educate our community through interviews with professionals. Alrighty, folks, in studio today we have uh, Mr. John Davis, who is uh, a candidate for city councilor at large in the city of Attleboro. Uh, he's a former city councilor, uh, former candidate uh, for mayor as well. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd say uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Davis, but I'm scared I'm going to get yelled at for saying Mr. Davis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you? Good. Th- thanks, Paulo, for having me. Yeah, as I've said before, you know, call me John. Uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here this evening. And I'm happy to see that you have this new show. You know, allows a lot of people to um, get exposed to the public, and that's good. Thank you. Yeah, my, uh, I was telling you earlier, and I try to say a little bit in the beginning, too, the goal of it is to to have our listeners have had learned something at the end of our show. So uh, I thought, you know, when I ran for city council, we didn't have a lot of um, opportunities to kind of talk out there or have mm-hmm. speeches. You know, we had the, the Goodest Akeem event, but uh, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, let me try, let me extend the invite to all the candidates out there, give them a chance to come in. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to have a debate or anything. It's more of kind of just uh, giving a profile of you or each candidate to the city and, um, so everyone listening can uh, can learn from you. So if uh, if you want to start, maybe... Uh, sure. Well, well, first, you're right about that. In this day and age, you don't have as many venues and opportunities to talk, talk to the public as you did when I started about 25 years ago. And uh, when I first got involved in politics, again, it was about 25 years ago, I was a local businessman right here in downtown Attleboro, and I felt that the local government didn't seem to reflect all the people I worked with and the people I knew and my family... And so I decided, you know, you know, I'm going to run for office because I think I can do as, as good a job, if not better, than some of these people, J- just, just like you, no different. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, over the course of time, I've, I've held several different positions. I was a councilman for eight years, and I was on the planning board. Uh, I chaired the last time we did a charter committee uh, to review our city charter. I was the chairman of that. Um, I was the president of the board of directors for Head Start. Uh, watch it, self-help. They run the Head Start program and the Federal Fuel Assistance. And so, I mean, I've had uh, basically a 25-year history of, of public service in one way or another. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully having another opportunity to be able to serve the public. Yeah, absolutely. So w- when did, uh, have you always lived in Atterboro? When did? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I've, I've lived here my whole life. Um, you know, I'm 53 years old. I was born and raised here. You know, I went to school here. And, uh, you know, I started my first business here in the mid-80s, and um, basically I've, I've been here ever since. Yeah, and what, uh, this coming uh, election, what, what made you want to run again and get into the, the public service? Well, it, well it's interesting. I mean, history will show that a lot of times when people leave the city council, they never come back. Yeah. And to me, for a couple of years now, I've been trying to figure out how I could get back involved in elected office to make a difference. You know, I really enjoyed the years when I was a councilman. And since then, uh, I've done a lot of stuff with the charities and nonprofits. I mean, I do a lot of stuff through the Catholic Church, the St. Vincent de Paul Society, yep, and, yep. and a lot of that. But it's not quite the same as being an elected official. And where I had spent, you know, a good 15 years of my life basically living at night and day and, and studying local government, I felt that, geez, I've got all this knowledge and experience. You know, I'd like to be able to help in some way. So when I saw that Julie Hall was going to step down, and I knew that somebody would fill, be filling in basically for half a term, I thought, well, what better opportunity to use your skills and experience than to you know, take that position? And um, Sometimes you just never know when opportunity is going to come knocking. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
so uh, I'm just contemplating if further I'm going to take a break or not, but uh, we'll get one more question. And so is there, um, you know, I always tell people, too, if, you, if you're going to run for elected office, uh, a special, well, usually a special election would probably be the best one or something like this when Julie Hall resigns. Uh, it, was there ex- one particular thing that said, I'm going to run, is there something that's really bothering you in the city that makes you want to say, I'm going to put my name in this time and see? No, actually, I was, you know, look again, looking for the right opportunity where I thought the skill set and experience I had would be most useful. And, you know, right now in the city council, I think they could use someone who has a lot of experience in, you know, working in a collaborative manner on boards and commissions. I mean, I've, you know, I've been on, God only knows how many different committees, and I've had the opportunity to work with uh, local people. I've, I've been on regional boards. So I've, I've got literally hundreds and hundreds of uh, meetings of experience dealing with groups. And I think the council today is a great group of individual people. I just think they need to work a little more collaboratively together. And hopefully, you know, my experience is, I mean, I've always been a team player, you know, mm-hmm. someone who always tried to bring everyone together to come to some sort of uh, resolution. And I think really right now, that's exactly what we need. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, folks, this is the Paul Salguero Show. It's from 7 to 9. We're in studio with uh, John Davis, who's a candidate for city councilor at large. Uh, the second half of the show, we're going to have Nicholas Lavoie, who's also uh, another candidate uh, for city councilor at large. If anyone has any questions they'd like to ask, you can uh, call us in at 508-222-1320, or you can send me an email at paulo, P-A-U-L-O, at W-A-R-A-Radio.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America will be holding an informational meeting on September 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Attleboro Public (laughs) Library's Balfour Room. The public is invited to attend the meeting in order to learn about the organization and about common sense uh, ways to reduce gun violence. The group promotes gun safety and legislation that effectively prevents gun violence. To register Um, for the meeting or for more information, you can can contact Margie Kelly via email at mkwrite at comcast.net. Does your back hurt after a long night's sleep? Does your mattress see better days? Is your current bedroom furniture a mixture of different furniture sets? The bedding center located on Pleasant Street and proud spots of this radio station and high school sports an offers a wide array of mattresses but I always along like, with beds, I'll bedroom furniture, and odd-sized mattresses and like, boxes. Oh, I really want to make sure I get this point across bedding-center.com yeah. or by phone at 508-226-8090. The things that come to your mind are probably the same things coming to the mind of the people out there. It's like when I prepare for my TV shows, I never like research the guests. Well, most of them are people I usually know. Yeah, because They'll I want to push ask you think- to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. The laws that govern us are constantly evolving, and it is hard to stay up to date as time passes. This week on AACS, watch The Grand Bargain and become familiar with how small business owners are affected by the legislative ballot question package. 
You can watch this program and all of our quality programs from around the area in high definition on the AACS Roku channel. Alrighty, we're back on the air. If uh, well, probably for the second time since I kind of left the mics on that first time. But anyway, uh, so everyone knows it's a, a authentic interview. Uh, when I when I ran, I had I always picked like three things that I was probably really passionate about, or I really wanted to work on in the city. Is there something? Um, oh, I'm sorry. For those just tuning in, we're we're in the studio with John Davis, who is a candidate for city councilor at large in the city of Attleboro. And so my question would be: Is there Anything particular in the city that uh, maybe frustrates you or something you want to see change or uh, what is it exactly? If John Davis was elected, what's, you know, three things that he really wants to work on or see done in our city? Well, what's interesting, Paulo, is that I've had the opportunity to think about these kind of things for the last 25 years and actually work on things. And, you know, anyone who knows me knows that, you know, public education has always been something that I've been a big advocate for. You know, I, I, I was pushing to, you know, upgrade the high school 20 years ago when it wasn't really popular. Uh, so one of the things I'm interested in is making sure that, you know, we're going to build a brand new state-of-the-art high school. But, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, as I say, the devil's in the details. I want to make sure that, you know, that all the little things that need to be done right to make it a successful project happened. And that later on, we're able to provide the funding necessary to run the school. You know, it's one thing to have a building. It's another thing to be able to afford the educators it takes to actually educate students. So that's something that I've, I've been doing for 25 years. Also, again, I was a small businessman. I am today a small businessman. I uh, am interested in bringing more business to Atterboro. And every politician I've ever met in the last 30 years has said the same thing, yeah. that we need to bring more business to Atterboro. But as a small business person and someone who's been involved in government behind the scenes, I realize that you know, it's a lot of the things that keep that from happening that people don't realize. You know, the excessive rules and regulations, the fees for every, you know, we try to create a fee for anything and everything you could ever think of. And all those little things help to deter a small person just trying to scrape together the money to start a business. You know, I started a company in my home 35 years ago now, I guess it was, or 30 odd years ago. Um, just by myself working at my parents' uh, dining room table. And within a few years, I had turned that into a multi-million dollar business and bought out the largest competitor in the Atterbury area. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I hadn't had the little things necessary to get going, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And we keep putting all these little roadblocks in the way of people. You know, government doesn't create jobs. No matter what people think, government doesn't create jobs. Its role is to keep an even field so that people have the ability to create jobs without all these crazy obstacles in their way. Um, beyond that, I really have always been a stickler for rules and procedures and process. And to some people, that, that sounds boring and their eyes glaze over. But your elected officials have to follow the rules to make sure that everybody is being treated equally and fairly. And one of my concerns is that in recent years, a lot of elected officials are not really that interested in rules and procedures and process. And we saw what happened when we tried to appoint a woman to run the water department. And, you know, I don't want to point fingers at anyone. I mean, it's probably a little bit of everybody involved's fault. But, you know, it's pretty clear that woman didn't get her fair hearing. And whether she should get that job or not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I do know that she should have at least been interviewed before the council 
because that's the appropriate process. So one of the things I always did as a councilman and as a planning board member and in all the other different organizations that I've belonged to is make sure that all the rules and procedures are followed so that everybody is treated fairly. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when, uh, you know, because I'm going to try and touch on each uh, uh, topic you just brought up, but I remember when they had the um, the committee to, to push for that new high school and they were doing all these mm. the, the tours and whatnot of the high school and I was at one and I remember you stood up and you said that we're talking about the same things I was talking about 20 years ago mm. and uh, and I had it in my head I'm like yeah you know and I'm thinking you know because I was hearing stories from people I'm just like yeah well the same stuff and I was saying the same thing in 2013 when I graduated we were talking I was talking about the same stuff you know we you closed down you know a building in the winter because the heat wasn't working or in the summertime you know you couldn't couldn't focus because you're drenched in sweat and you're just out of it by the afternoon but uh it's glad I'm glad to see it uh pass and uh, like you said you know when, when that was happening I was telling people you know it's good we're having a new school but you know, my biggest thing, too, was the student-to-teacher ratio. That was mm-hmm. a big thing for me because at one point they were they were taking classrooms and putting them um, in the cafeteria because there just wasn't enough uh, space. And I was like, that, that's that's nuts, you know. But uh, glad to see that. You're educated for uh, public education. Um, and and to, to elaborate on that, you know, candidates always talk about these big issues and stuff they want to yeah. do. But, again, I've had a history of, of being involved. Like I said, I, w- I was the chairman of the board of directors for Head Start. You know, I was on the Studley School Council. You know, each school has its own little council yeah, of yeah, yeah. people. I did that for many years. You know, I was involved when Project Connect was first created here in the city. I was involved with that board. Uh, and my wife and I have been actively involved in all the different things that the school department does. When they put on different programs, you know, we always try to participate. And I think, you know, I, I've got a lifelong history of not just saying I support education, mm-hmm. but actually proving it to people. You know, I, I, I always talk about how, you know, a lot of people who are big advocates for education are people who loved school, did really well, thought it was great. Yeah. I was just the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, I barely made it through school, not because I wasn't smart, but simply because it just didn't, interest me yeah. and they couldn't they couldn't grab my attention i mean i i went to Attleboro high school to run track mm-hmm. I, I had really no interest in, in the school i was there to run track and fortunately i was able to be successful in life and, and but a lot of it has to do with luck yeah. you know a lot of guys like me who weren't good students and sort of fell through the cracks you know maybe aren't with us today or they're, or they're yeah. living under a bridge somewhere yeah. so i appreciate the fact that i was very very lucky but i want to make sure that the next generation of kids None of them fall through the cracks like I could have. Yeah. I always tell people, I go, if you saw my, uh, my high school transcript versus my college transcript, you would think we had two completely different kids because, uh, you know, I tell a teacher, well, you know, hey, what's my grade? Oh, yeah, all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass. All right. Yeah, cool. And then uh, it was probably my senior year where I was like, dude, this is important. You should mm-hmm. probably pay attention. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And that's when, uh, you know, I, I, I started to gain an interest afterwards after uh, probably my senior year and then college took off and I was like, well, all right, we're, we're paying for this. So I'll start paying attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so good support of education. Then uh, for our listeners, and this has always interested me too, as a business owner, what, um, what, how, which businesses have you been involved in? Kind of what did you do growing up and, and then uh, later on in life? Okay. Well, um, when I was younger, um, my father was involved in managing a series of different packaging companies, people that made boxes and displays. And uh, so I got involved early in life with manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I learned how things were built. You know, how, how do we make 
boxes? How do, how do we make bags? How do we make things that they put jewelry in? All the, and so in, in the mid 80s, you know, I had to figure out, okay, what am I gonna do for a living? Yeah. And so again, I started a small business doing foil stamping, putting little logos that said, you know, um, jeweled cross or, you know, whatever it was, the Neiman Marcus, the little labels on, on little boxes and bags. And I started out with a little teeny hand machine. And I would work hour after hour after hour doing all these jobs for all the local jewelry companies. Yeah. And before I knew it, it just took off. Uh, and, and in those days, we had such a jewelry industry still here in the 80s that it turned into an incredible business. Um, times changed. You know, 20 odd years later, uh, you know, when I started getting more involved in politics and more involved in charitable nonprofit work, that business started to go over to China. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself, you know, in my late 40s, almost 50, trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to recreate myself? What am I going to do next? And all along the way, people had always been calling me saying, John, I, I need this done at my house. Who do you know I can count on? Who can, you know, and I'd say, well, you know, there aren't that many reliable contractors around. I'll give you a hand. Yeah. I started giving people a hand more and more. Before I knew it, that was a full-time job. Yeah. And so I developed a home repair business that now has just taken off. I do, you know, work all over southern New England. Uh, you know, I went from just, you know, fixing little things for people here in Attleboro to now working on multi-million dollar homes in Newton and Wellesley. And, and it's great. I mean, it's still a small business. It's me and a couple of people. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, like a lot of people, my age especially, you know, we've had to reinvent ourselves halfway through life because circumstances change. The things that made me a, a lot of money in my 20s and 30s are now done in China for peanuts. Yeah. Um, but I learned to adapt. And, and, and a good business person looks where opportunity is. And all I did was listen to what people wanted and say, okay, I can do that. I can help you with that. And, and it's worked out really well. Yeah. And, and for, um, you know, you talked about the restrictions that businesses have in, in Attleboro. What is uh, maybe a restriction or, or, or what would you want to change? Is there anything specifically that you can think of that in terms of when, uh, starting a new business here that's really restrictive that if you were a counselor, you would try to work on to change? Well, that, well, that's a really good question. Off the top of my head, I, I can't think of one specific example, but there have been a lot of issues over the years that have come up. An example was uh, one that came up in the past was uh, putting grease traps in a lot of these restaurants. Now, obviously, we don't want any grease getting in to uh, our sewer system. I mean, so, but there were restaurants that didn't use fryolators, that didn't use things that that was really necessary, yet we required them to install incredibly expensive systems uh, that really, in often cases, never got used. To me, that's just a deterrent to business. You know, it, it's, it's all the little things. And it's, not, and it's not just rules necessarily or fees, it's the attitude that government has towards small business. You know, I saw as, as a small businessman how we were basically just ignored. Uh, we weren't that important to the community. And well, eventually, as you look around now, I mean, you don't remember, but I remember what it was like 30 years ago around here when there was a ton of small business. But yeah. it, you know, if you treat them like they're not important, before very long, they won't be around. It's, it's like your friends. If you treated your friends like they didn't really matter, before very long, you won't have too many friends around. Yeah, exactly. And if you, you, know, if you show respect for people and you try to treat people the way you should, you end up drawing a lot more friends, and that's what we need to do to help draw a lot more business. Now, the city itself is, is taking some serious steps. 
the mayor has proposed hiring an economic development director, which I, I completely support. Um, you know, one of the big questions is, you know, exactly what do we want that director to do, and how do we measure whether he's been successful or not? Because you know, I've been around long enough to have known a couple of the former economic development directors, um, some of which did okay, some of which maybe didn't do all that well, um, but we never really had a standard to determine are they doing what we want them to do or not. Um, so I, I mean, I, I'm very optimistic about that. I, I think, you know, 10, 15 years from now. Atterborough is going to look a lot different than it does today. I think things are going to be significantly better. You know, we, we truly are a diamond in the rough. You know, there's potential here like it, very few communities have. And people have been saying this for years. And, um, you know, it, it's been a long, hard road. We've seen, you know, again, we've seen a whole industry, the whole jewelry industry leave here. And we've also seen, you know, the electronics industry that sort of came in later on. That has sort of gone overseas as well. But you know, eventually, you know, Atterborough has always been on the cutting edge of technology. You know, for, for 150, almost 200 years now, you know, we've been on the cutting edge. Like I said, I was involved in packaging for jewelry. You know, the first box company in America was started just two blocks from here. You yeah. know, I mean, a lot of things in this country were actually invented right here in Atterborough. People don't realize that because we take for granted the things that we're real familiar with locally. But uh, you know, I think our future is great and. I really think that you know I can use my experience to, to help facilitate a lot of this. Um, Absolutely, so, uh, like you said, it was interesting. We did a segment on the Admiral Industrial Museum when Carlton Lake came in, and mm -hmm. we were talking about the jewelry industry because I I've always been interested in it because uh, you know. Uh, my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, we, they all worked at Johnson's. And so uh, it was interesting when you said, oh, he started with the packaging and everything. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, it's definitely changed. But I think uh, I, I think Adderall definitely still has the opportunity. And, you know, I, even being a gateway city, too, there's so many opportunities from uh, funding-wise that the state can, can help to try to attract businesses here in Attleboro. Because it's one thing to, um, you know, like you said, the restrictions that businesses have that deters them. But it's also, uh, you know, if, if they see – you know, there's an opportunity here for them to be successful. There's the employment, there's the customers, then of course they're going to come here, you know, especially downtown. We see the new restaurants coming in and, um, you know, I, I like the downtown area because you can walk down there, you go to a restaurant. It's nice to see that that's still alive. Uh, but, all right, all right, folks, we're in, in studio with um, uh, John Davis, who's a candidate for city councilor at large uh, for this coming election. You know, talking about his profile, kind of a little bit of some his, his history, what, what he wants to see done. Uh, if anyone has any questions, you can call in at 508 222 or you can send an email uh, to me at paulo, P-A-U-L-O, at WARARadio.com. And we'll be right back after these messages. Stop and Shop is sponsoring a free Healthy Kids Summit at Gillette Stadium on Wednesday, September 19th from 4 to 6 p.m. This will be an afternoon of play and fitness. Kids will participate in games to learn about exercise and nutrition. The Healthy Kids Summit is open to all kids ages 6 to 14. The event is limited to 400 kids and their parents or guardians. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. 
When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Are you looking for more opportunity? The Literacy Center is here to help. We have free year-round classes in English, computer literacy, and high school equivalency. With the help of teachers and tutors, you can prepare for your citizenship test, make a resume, get ready for college, or learn how to speak better English. Classes held during the day, evening, or on Saturdays. View our website, theliteracycenter.com, or call 508-226-3603. The Literacy Center, building a better community. Alrighty, folks, we're back on the air. This is the Paul Salguero Show from 7 to 9. Today we have uh, John Davis in studio from 7 to 8 uh, discussing uh, his candidacy for uh, city council at large in Attleboro. And then from 8 to 9, we'll have Nicholas Lavoie, another candidate for the, the same position. We'll talk a little about his candidacy, too. Um, one thing that's been in the news recently is... Uh, uh, the marijuana kind of industry in, in Attleboro, we you know we see uh, it's going to be zoned in as an industrial versus a commercial. Uh, how do you feel on that? Do you think it's a good way to start off and then maybe branch off into the commercial? What's uh, John Davis's take on it? Well, it, it, it's been a topic that's been in the news now for quite a while. And uh, let me just start from the beginning. Uh, when we had a ballot initiative question about whether to legalize marijuana or not, I was opposed to the idea. I just didn't generally think it was a good idea. But as the process in America works, is the majority got to decide that that was going to be legal. And so, as I said before, I'm big on process and rules and procedures and following the appropriate format. And as I look at it, you know, having worked for many years on the planning board, and, and I was also actually a commissioner for the regional planning authority too, is I look at these things as okay. You have to treat it, even whether you like it or not, you have to treat it just like anything else similar to it. So I look at uh, pharmacies, which I see as being virtually identical, and you know liquor stores, which I think are, are fairly uh, comparable. And I think you have to basically treat them the same. Uh, now, some people will say, say that that's not a really good idea, that you, know, you don't want to be selling marijuana you know, on your average public street, you know, on a, on a main thoroughfare. Um, but I think, you know, the, the bigger picture of y treating everybody equally is, is more important in, in the long run. Um, there was some concern about setting, uh, limiting the number of businesses as well. And I don't think limiting the number is a good idea. Again, as, as a small business person, I believe in the, you know, the free economic process. I mean, a bunch of people decide they want to go into the marijuana business. Some of them will do well, some of them won't. Um, that's just how the free market works. And I think we've seen in America that the free market economy is the, the best economic model in the world. And um, you know, not everybody succeeds, but everybody will have the same fair opportunity to try. Um, you know, now there's a lot more details and stuff that go into this, and a lot of this is still being uh, worked on because the state itself is still constantly changing the rules and process. Um, but as I said to some people the other day at the farmers market, is that I think you know five years from now we'll look back at all this, and it'll be just like anything else. I mean, I was on the council when we had the big issue about the adult entertainment area, 
and everyone was concerned we were going to have strip clubs all over town and um, you know and we used good judgment we set certain basic rules and it, it's it's never been a problem I mean uh, I don't think anyone would even probably realize if if there is any more adult entertainment here in the city there may or may not be but it's it but it's certainly not uh, adversely affecting the quality of life here in Attleboro um, but I understand how passionate people are about this whole marijuana thing because it's an industry it's it's and it's really taking off there's a potential for a lot of money to be made and a lot of people will say look if it's going to be money made in Attleboro or money made in Taunton or Brockton or North Attleboro, why shouldn't we be making the money here in Attleboro? And again, as, as a free market business person, I think that makes sense. You know, the, the rules and regulations that are already in place for anyone going into that industry, they are scrutinized like you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, in my opinion, we have many more negative businesses right here in the community that people don't even realize exist. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see how, you know, we can have a methadone clinic in an area where you can't sell medical marijuana. I just don't see how that can be. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think part of it, you know, because I talk uh, to people about this too, I, I, you know, I say, I go, in my opinion, because I always like to think of things realistically. Right. Right. And I say, I, it, it, it's just the stigma still. That's around mm -hmm. it. It's a drug. Oh, it's a drug. You know, you, you know, mm -hmm. profit off the drug, as opposed to just treating it. You know, and I always say, uh, the thing that I, I used to when I entered in the state house, I used to ask, I used to love asking reps this question. I said, if the majority of your constituents are for something that you're against, how do you go about it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they say, hey, listen, you you know, you do what you think is the best choice, blah blah. blah. And I was like, yeah, I really don't like that answer. But then some would say, listen, you represent your constituents. That's how you. That's how you should go. And I, I always believe that, too. And I think, uh, and, you know, when the state legalizes it, well, and there's always, I saw an article, too. It's not legalizing. They're commercializing it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. But, uh, you know, I think part of it's the stigma still that's around it. And uh, as opposed to just looking at it as a business that's going to that's gonna take, in my opinion, right. I think it's going to take off. I mean, you look right. at how Colorado has, has benefited mm -hmm. from it. And I always say, you know, you know, someone's like, would you legalize? I'm like, yeah, I'd legalize it and tax the heck out of it. And mm -hmm. I would write it in the law, like 85% of this would have to go into our public schools. Right. You know? And a, and a lot of that is what the state is in the process of doing, is creating what the limits are for communities um, without getting into the minute details of it. But, but the reality is, when you're an elected official, you have to look at things objectively. There may be things that come before you that you don't like or that you maybe you do like, but you have to treat them just like it's. It's like being a judge or a juror. Mm -hmm. You have you know certain responsibilities, which again I, I hate to keep hopping on the idea of experience. But you know the more you've dealt with decision making and the whole process, the easier it becomes to be objective of things. You know when I was when I was much younger, you know there were a lot of things that that you know I went on emotion. You know this is how I feel, and you, mm -hmm. you're really passionate. But as you get older and you get more experienced and you, and you look at things objectively, you realize that, well, you know, sometimes the, the right thing to do isn't always the thing that was your initial gut instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing I'm always curious about is as an elected official, if, if you get elected, how um, disagreements happen all the time and, and at the council, whether it's a city level all the way up to the national level. How does John Davis work with others let's say right. you, you disagree what is right. john davis's uh well, well again this this is an ideal example of of 
past performance being indicative of future performance. Um, you know, in my long political history, I've been very close with several people who have been mayor. You know, I, I've worked both under Robbins and under Dumas. Both of them at one time or another were close, close personal friends of mine, and both of them at one time or another were my opponent, and we had a great deal of disagreement. Um, but I think anyone who knows me, even some of the political people out there who may not like me, know that I've always been open-minded and able to work with people. And there have been many, many times when there were things that happened on the council because I was able to pull all the people together to make it happen. You know, I was never one to try to take credit for getting things done. But the reality is I'm probably as um, collaborative a worker and, and bipartisan. Let, let's talk about that a little bit because politics today is way more partisan than it was when I first started. And I don't care what party someone belongs to. When you're an elected official, you represent the people of Atterboro. You don't represent the Republican people or the Democratic people. You represent the people of Atterboro. And, and you've got to be objective and willing to work with both parties. And anyone who knows me and has worked with me over the years on all the different boards and commissions and things that I've done knows that I've always treated everyone uh, the way I wanted to be treated. You know, I mean, I think if elected officials would just behave the way your parents told you to behave as a little kid, you'd be much better off. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, absolutely. I, I say that all the time. It's it's so divided, which be, it becomes like us versus them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's that mentality. I go, it, it, it's counterproductive. You'll see, you know, oh, they disagree. Oh, well, we're going to do a, a sit well, down in the in the Congress well, or something, you well, know? Well, what's wrong today is that, you know, you'll have somebody who agrees with you 80% of the time, yeah. and you treat him like he's your enemy because he only agrees with you 80% of the time. Yeah. That's why nothing gets done in Washington. Again, I mean, I, I've, I've known an awful lot of people who are elected officials in Washington, and they're all good people. The problem is that none of these people can work well together. You know, they, they, they're, um, I'd say it, but I think politicians are, are very stubborn, you know, Compromise doesn't seem to be yeah. as, as popular an, an idea today as it once was. You know, I think elected officials need to compromise and work together to get things done. Today, though, a lot of people think that compromise is basically giving up. Yeah. And to me, it's not giving up. It, it's helping to come to a, a solution to resolve a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And before, uh, it just popped in my head, and I don't want to uh, forget about it. Uh, we're going to – let's uh, – what the, the Highland Country Club mm -hmm. – uh, you know, they're, they're the first committee uh, meetings today to talk, to kind of throw ideas about what they'd like to see. Is there anything specific you would probably like to see that the Highland Country Club turn into? or? No, I have absolutely no specific um, preference as to what it becomes. I'm sure it's going to be a multifaceted uh, project. You know, there's going to be a little bit for a lot of different people. But I think the city acquiring the property it was by far the right thing to do. We, we bought that property for pennies on the dollar for what it was really worth. And in the long run, the city is going to be far better off. Now, I'm not sure that we treated some of the people who were interested in developing it the way they should have been treated. Um, you know, the Tamposi family who was interested in developing, I mean, I think we should always try to listen to everyone. And I think they should have had more of an opportunity maybe to, to voice what they had to say. Um, but the truth is, you know, Someday, in some way, shape, or form, some of that may actually get developed in, into housing. But I think there are plenty of other good uses for the majority of, of that property, and uh, there's certainly nothing, nothing wrong with open space. 
Um, but I don't myself have any preference. Again, it's going to be up to the public and, and the committee of 17 people who are starting to meet this evening. And um, what's great to me is that you know it isn't just going to be black topped over. You know yeah. that that there still will be you know some green space in that section of Atterbury, and I think that's really important. Absolutely. Alrighty, folks, we're in studio with John Davis, who is a candidate for city council at large in uh, the city of Attleboro, talking a little about his history, his profile, kind of what he wants to see done in the in the city. Uh, the second half, we'll have Nicholas Devoyan, who's also a candidate for city council at large. But uh, stick around; we'll be right back after these messages. Are you looking for an opportunity to help others and give back to your community? Community VNA is seeking volunteers to join our interdisciplinary team dedicated to supporting patients and their families during a difficult time in their lives. Applications are now being accepted for our upcoming hospice volunteer training. A 20-hour orientation program will be held Tuesdays and Thursdays, September 6th through September 27th from 9 a.m. to noon at Community VNA. 10 Emory Street in Attleboro. To learn how you can make a difference in the life of another, call Community VNA Hospice at 508-222-0118 or visit www.communityvna.com. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain sleet and mud in 95 I helped tow your moving trailer in 05 I helped you get out of a ditch yeah I know I'm a bit rusty and sadly in 09 it was sparks from me your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. For over 47 years, Amigo Inc. has been offering services and programs for children and adults with autism spectrum disorders and other disabilities. Located at 33 Perry Avenue in Attleboro, Amigo has been committed to building vital relationships while expanding their community ties on the local level. Amigo provides day programs, transitional planning, and a continuum of services to support all ages. For more information, you can visit their website at amigoinc.org. Alrighty, folks, we're back on the air, the Polo Salguero Show from 7 to 9. In the studio, we have John Davis, who's a candidate for city council at large uh, for the 7 to 8 segment. And then from the 8 to 9 segment, we're going to have Nicholas Lavoie, who's also another candidate for city council at large. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask, and, uh, you know, I ask, I'll ask all the other candidates, is there a specific, what's your feedback been like in the community? Is there a specific thing you always hear? Because uh, I know when I was running, for the city council, it was always a school. Schools always popped up. But, but nowadays, is there, is there a specific thing you're hearing from the community? What's the feedback been like since you declared you wanted to run? Well, as you'll find, again, having done this over the last 25 years off and on for different campaigns, that there's always issues that pop up at, at a given time, depending on what's before the city council at that moment. Um, but the biggest overriding theme that I've heard, and I've been talking to a lot of people, including some former councilors about this, uh, that's different than what I've heard in the past, is the general theme of how 
much anxiety and concern about the future people have. You know, everyone expresses it in a slightly different way. They're worried about whether their taxes are going to be too high in three or four years, whether they're going to be able to pay for their kids to go to college, whether they're going to have health insurance. I've never seen so many people really worried about the future, in spite of the fact that the economy right now is strong, that a lot of good positive things are happening in Attleboro. Um, it's it, it's it's something that I've noticed that's distinctly different than what than what I've heard in the past. Now, on the positive note, what I've heard from a lot of people is what I'd like to hear is that you know we need some pe more people who have have some experience in the past to come back and get involved again and and try to so for lack of a better word reinvigorate mm -hmm. the the city council. Um, I think the council and the mayor have had rocky road over over this last year. I mean. Everyone, everyone has observed it, and everyone has a different opinion of why or who's at fault. Um, I think there are a lot of people who have unfairly blamed the mayor for a lot of things that, you know, it, it's not easy being mayor. There's a lot of important decisions you make every single day. The more you know about that position, the more you'd understand that. It's, it's a tough situation. And then there are people who want to, you know, talk about city councilors and, you know, I hate this one, I hate that one. I just don't think that that's, that's productive. I think we're all citizens of Adderbury. We're all trying to achieve a better community for everybody. And I think um, you know, one of the things that I hope that I, I add to the conversation when I talk to people, because first, I like to listen to what people have to say, but then I like to try to share with them some information that, that they might find useful to go along with their concerns. And um, I think the city council, the makeup of the, of the people that are on there right now, is as good as any group that I've seen. Now, they don't always necessarily work real well together, but they're 10 really good individuals. I mean, I've known every councilman in the last 30 years, and I've known probably at least 90% of the ones from the last 45 years. And this collective group of people are as good a group of people as you're going to get. They just need a little bit of encouragement and support in working together. You know, they're all trying to do what they believe is right. I mean, someone said, you know, you know what do you think of, of these other people that run for office? Almost everyone I've ever met who ran for public office was a good person. Bad people don't volunteer to help in the public. It, yeah. just, it just doesn't happen. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, my, my two opponents, one of them you're going to talk to today, they're both good people. Uh, I have distinct differences with both of them. But they're both good people, or they wouldn't be running for public office. Yeah. Uh, but I think the the public public only sees what they read in the newspaper or what they see on TV on Tuesday night. And if there's anything I can share with people, is is optimism. I believe our city government is going to work much better in the next year than it has in the past. And I think your elected officials are doing what they believe is right. You may not always agree with them. But it isn't as if they have some devious motive. Most of these people, you know, are just like you and me. They have full-time jobs. They're trying to do the best they can with the time and energy they have available to them. Uh, and based on their different experiences and background, some of them bring a lot of certain skills to the table. Others are relatively new to the whole process and are still learning. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the ones that are new and learning won't turn out to be incredibly good government officials down the road. So, I mean, I would say to the public, you know, um, appreciate the fact that compared to a lot of communities, the elected officials we have are a lot better than some of the ones I've met in some of the other towns that I've helped on campaigns in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I always say, too, Echo, if everyone agreed 
it'd be freaky. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want everyone to uh, to right. never have. You know, you have to have difference uh, of opinion because that's that's honestly, in my opinion, that's how the 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 best conversation comes out and probably the best solution. Uh, I also think, you know, having an open mind and what you, right. you, you what you do have is is needed because I know when I'm talking about issues with someone and they're so you know they're so set in their way. It, it's pointless. Right. It's like, why am I going to keep talking? You already right. made up your opinion. You're not, you know what right. I mean? But right. it's, uh, at, at times like this during a campaign, people always want to talk about what are the two or three big issues of the moment. But as I've always tried to express to people that you got to look at the big picture. If you just elect someone who agrees with you on the two or three big things today but doesn't have an open mind and isn't willing to listen, then what's going to happen six months from now when those issues pass on by and a whole nother crop of issues come along. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen things that we thought were the biggest issue in the history of the world. And today, most people, if I brought up those topics, would barely remember. Yeah, yeah. You know, time has a way of, of changing. Um, the mayor had said at a council meeting a few weeks ago, he said, you know, you know, no matter what you do here, 50 years from now, nobody will remember any of your names. Yeah. But the things that you do will affect their lives and the lives of their children. And that's important to remember. That if anyone's doing this because they think they're going to be famous or they're going to get anything yeah. special out of it, I'll tell you from 25 years of experience, that isn't what happens. Um, but it's incredible how rewarding it is to see all the little differences that you can make in the lives of people. A big thing counselors do is help provide information to the public. You know, basically, when you're a counselor, you're the person people go to to complain about the problems they're having with city government. And I always enjoyed that. I like being a problem solver. I mean, I think I've been a problem solver all my life. And um, it makes a difference. You know, I, I've seen firsthand, time and time again, the effect you can have on people simply by connecting them with the right resources. And I'm really hope, hoping to God that I get the opportunity to be able to do that again because I really, I really miss it. You know, um, some people may ask why I ever got off the city council. And it was because 10 years or 11 years ago now, I opted to run for mayor and couldn't run for re-election to the council and run for mayor. Yeah. And at that time, I thought that you know, I could best serve the community in the position of mayor. And um, that didn't work out. Um, I don't regret having run for mayor, but I do miss all the great opportunities that I had to help when I was a councilman. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest thing, too, is the word help. You just want to help people. I know when I was running and we were, I met you at, at the at city hall once and you said mm -hmm. it, it was it was a nice little encouragement you said anyone who wants to get involved in public service will eventually you'll yep. eventually get your shot right. and that was that was a little like uh, you know encouraging for me because uh, it made me feel good I'm like all right well eventually if it's not now later on it, it'll mm -hmm. happen you know absolutely and I've always tried to encourage other young people um, like after I'm done here Nick Lavoie is gonna come on and Nick's a young guy who uh, wants to run for council and you know I think it's actually great that there are people from your age group who want to get involved. Yeah. You know, we need more of that, not less of that. Um, but as, I, you know, I've, as I've experienced that, you know, there are so many different ways that you can contribute. Yeah. I mean, there are more boards and commissions and groups that you can be part of than people would ever imagine. It yeah. really, so as I said to you, anyone who is serious about wanting to help will always get their opportunity. I mean, I've seen a lot of people over the last 25 years come along. Some of them ran for office a couple times and didn't get elected, um, but they always found their thing, you know, whether it was being on the planning board or the zoning board or conservation or yeah. just a recreation commission. There is literally hundreds and hundreds of people every week 
who volunteer in our community to make our community what it is. And uh, I think a lot of them are sort of the un unsung heroes. You know, they work hard all the time, and you may not have heard of 90% of them, yeah. but they all make a difference in our community. Yeah, and did you have, because uh, it it's a, came in my head too, did you have any specific mentors, maybe people that are helping along the way that you'd like to? You know, yeah, actually, I'd like to take a couple minutes if I could, because, uh, again, I'm sort of the last link to the old generation of political people in, in the city. When I first got involved in city government, there were a lot of old-time politicians, people from the 60s and 70s who were still alive. They were all much older than I was, but they all tried to educate me and help me. You know, uh, you know people like uh, Frank Gillen, the former council president, Jerry Keene, the former mayor, you know, Ray McCumber, who was former mayor, you know, Kay Shang was one of the best friends I ever had. Um, Bill Donlevy, who I don't know how many times they voted him person of the year here in the city, but, but Bill has been instrumental in, you know, teaching me all about, the, you know, immigration and, and how, to, uh, how to help people who don't speak English or aren't familiar with Atterboro. Um, there's so many people. Judy Robbins, who was my opponent once, but she was the woman who gave me an opportunity when I first was a little older than you and I was interested in government, she would let me hang out in the mayor's office for hours on end watching how things worked and, and seeing what was involved. Um, and you, couldn't, you can't buy that kind of experience. You know, like I said, I mean, I, I can honestly say that there have been at least five mayors of Atterbury who were close personal friends of mine. Today, there are only two former mayors still alive, so the opportunity to learn from people in the past isn't the same. My hope is that someday, in a few years, I'll be able to help people like yourself and Nick and some of these other younger kids coming along who want to learn, you know, how did things go in the 70s and 80s? What, yeah. You know, because nothing really is new in this world. It really is um, just a matter of a cycle going through. I see things come before the council all the time that in my life, I've seen come up two or three times before. It's every eight or ten years a certain topic comes around again. And if you understand what happened last time and why it happened last time, uh, it, it makes a big difference. One of the things I found at the end of my career as a councilman was that knowing all the city employees, all the department heads, knowing how, who all the people were and how things worked made it so much easier to be able to help people. Because when you can pick up the phone and know the person one-on-one -on, -one on the yeah. other end, it's so much easier to help people. And uh, you know, I would like to help a lot of younger people to learn to make those connections. Because today, I hate to say this, but so many people are caught up with playing with their phone, text messaging. Yeah. They don't develop that one-on-one, face-to-face relationships. And in, the truth is, in, in, in a human world, that's what's going to make a difference, is your ability to sit down and talk one-to-one -one with people about you know, the problems that exist. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to ask one more question because I think it, it's become like a little thing for, for the show, and I think it also helps our listeners uh, kind of understand how the person thinks. If, uh, in, so my question would be, if you, could, if you could sit down with anyone from history mm -hmm. and ask them one question, mm -hmm. you only can ask them one question, who would you want to sit down with and uh, what would you want to ask them? I know this, that, 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 that's kind of an odd question because there's a million people. But there's one thing over my life that I've always, you, know, you always have a thing, if you could just ask so-and-so a question, what would it be? And, and honestly, Mayor Robbins. Mayor Robbins once said to me years ago, she said, John, you can be mayor in your 30s or you can be mayor in your 50s. But if you choose to be mayor in your 30s, you'll never be as good as you could have been in your 50s. 
And as I've got at the time, I thought to myself, yeah, that's that's what you tell the young guy who you don't want to challenge you. Yeah, yeah. As I've gotten old, I've gotten older and realized that there's a lot of merit to that. I really wonder, you know, was she just trying to discourage me from running against her, or was she really trying to share with me some important, valuable information? Uh, which is what I've come to believe. I've come to believe that she was trying to share with me something that really she thought was important and that um, I was too young and stubborn to understand. Yeah. But, uh, and so I'd, li- I'd, I'd like to ask her to please el- you know, elaborate on that. Yeah, Expl- yeah, yeah. Explain, were you, what was your real motive behind that? And what, yeah. uh, I- am I perceiving it the way that I should have and just couldn't understand 20 years ago? Yeah, that's interesting because um, I think um, – I think it was probably half and half, you know, <laughs> probably because there is truth behind yeah. that because I think the older you are, you have the more life experiences and you'd probably do well in that jo- in, in a job like that. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely interesting to think about. But uh, I, I think whenever somebody is your opponent, you always have to take everything that's oh, said yeah. with a grain of salt. You know, I really I know, I uh, know. It, it, it's funny. One of the other things I'd like to say is that. You know, I've run for a lot of offices. I've, I've won several times, and I've lost some really tough – I mean, I've lost some of the toughest battles in Adderbury's political history. And I've always respected and liked the people that I ran against. Even in the days when Mayor Dumas and I you – know, Mayor Dumas and I went from being best friends to being what people perceived as arch enemies. But we weren't enemies. We just had a different view of what some of the things needed to be done in the city. But I greatly respected him, and I've respected all the people – that I've run against over the years. Uh, and I think other candidates need to realize that, that th- your opponents in political races aren't your enemies. Yeah. They're your neighbors and your friends and the people who may very well be your colleague on some board two, three, four years from now. Absolutely. And I think it's an important thing that, again, when I was in my 30s, I might not have realized. But today, I've, I've come to realize that, that uh, again, almost everybody that runs a public office is a good person at heart. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if someone's interested in contacting you, do you have a campaign email or, or anything yep. like that? Yep. Well, um, if I'll give you my phone number. My phone number is 774-688-9238. I'm always happy to talk to anybody they'd like about any topic they'd like. Um, you know, I, my whole life has been pretty much an open book. I mean, I still have a lot of old-time political people who stop by my house to talk face-to-face periodically, and I'm, you know, I'm glad to share, you know, my opinion and any information with with people that they'd like. I mean, I hope on November sixth that the majority of the people in Attleboro will come out and vote for me. I would really love the opportunity to be able to represent them again. I think my skills and experiences lend well to that position, but truthfully, the most important thing is that people get out and vote. Absolutely, you know. Um, it, it, it may sound crazy, but, you know, to me, the thing that really matters is participation. Because in the long run, if we're going to get people that best represent the whole community, by getting more people out to vote, we get a better shot of getting the kind of people that we really want in the long run. Absolutely. Alrighty, folks, that's the Paul Salguero Show. Uh, that's John Davis, who's a candidate for city councilor at large. We've learned a little bit about him and kind of his views. Um, when is the the election? It's November sixth. November sixth. So it's just on just under eight weeks away. And I'd like to just in closing say thank you, Paulo, for having me here this evening. I I greatly appreciate the opportunity, and I hope that your show goes really well. And if I can ever do anything to help you, I'm more than glad to. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Alrighty, folks, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap up this session, and then. Uh, 
There was a, a, a song that was requested last week. I'm going to see if I can plug it in here after uh, our, uh, our announcements. Uh, it was uh, Jimmy Allen, uh, The Best Shot, who uh, Emily had said that was her favorite song. So I'm going to try and plug that in here. So we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to WARA, 1320 AM, Attleboro. Welcome to the AACS Daily News. Attleboro officially kicked off this year's Big Read on Saturday with an event at the Attleboro Public Library. The two-month-long Big Read brings together a number of local organizations to host book-themed events for the community. To learn more about this year's read, we stopped by the Attleboro Library. My name is Chris Johnson and I'm the director here at the Attleboro Public Library. Um, this year's uh, Big Read title, it's our 12th annual Big Read here in the Attleboro community, is Five Skies by Ron Carlson. Five Skies takes place in Idaho and it's the story of three men who each have troubled pasts and they come together to work on a construction project out in the Idaho wilderness. So it has a very um, deep sense of scenery, setting, and also the character interactions. And that was why the book was chosen. The committee selected the book last fall and thought that we could play off some of the stream um, themes that are in the book. And stream is science, technology, reading, engineering, arts and mathematics. Today is our first major event here at the library for this year's Big Read and it's our launch. So what we're going to be having today is copies of Five Skies for free. Uh, our schedules for all of the programming that's happening over the next two months and a number of activities for adults and children. Uh, we have representatives from the 10 Mile Watershed. Uh, Sensata should be bringing over some robots to demonstrate. Uh, we have the 4-H Rabbit Club because there's also a number of uh, themes of rabbits in the book. A lot of hands-on activities for kids involving technology. So we have Lincoln Logs, we have Tinker Toys, and we have some fishing activities too. And it's all free. The NEA Big Read uh, here in Attleboro for the 12th year brings together our partners. We have 20 uh, community partners, including our neighbors at the Literacy Center, the Attleboro Public Schools, the Attleboro Arts Museum, the Industrial Arts Museum, um, the YMCA, and many others. And we feel that getting this community discussion about the themes in the book and just talking about good literature is good for the community. The best way to learn about this year's program is to visit our website at attleboroughs1abc.org. We're looking forward to another great big read, and we hope to see you both today at our launch and next week at our official kickoff at the Arts Museum. That's all for today's update. You can watch all of our content by visiting our website, doubleacs.com, by downloading the AACS mobile app, or by visiting the AACS Roku channel. For AACS News, I'm Austin Ricketts. Third straight day of beneficial rain showers. Yeah, we got to love it. It's been a while since we had this, and it looks like there'll be more showers and maybe even a thunderstorm tonight, some mist, and also areas of fog falling to the mid-60s, not changing too much. Shower and a mist fog early tomorrow, and then breaking clouds with sun in the afternoon, mixed with clouds, highs in the low and mid-70s. Areas of fog tomorrow night falling into the 60s, and then we have a great stretch of weather for Friday and the weekend. Early fog, then some sunshine on Friday, a high in the upper 70s. 
Mainly sunny after some fog early on Saturday near 80 and low 80s on Sunday. Once again, the same weather feature that we will deal with over the coming days, bringing us great weather, will block the hurricane from headed this way. For 1320 AM, I'm Jim Corbin. Enjoy. The Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks has been part of the Attleboro area since 1906. They have always been involved in community service and charitable fundraising, giving back to our veterans, supporting our seniors, and providing youth enrichment opportunities, such as soccer and hoop shoots, fishing derbies, and dictionary projects, while also providing academic scholarships. The Elks are over 800 strong locally, and their members are their greatest asset. To learn more, you can go to attleboroelks.org. Remember, Elks care, Elks share. Good evening, Attleboro and surrounding communities. It's 7 o'clock at night. That's right, 1900 hours. And you're listening to the Polo Salguero Show, where the heat is on and we educate our community through interviews with professionals. Well, it's not 1900 hours, but it's, uh, it's 8 o'clock at night. And we're uh, going to be in studio with uh, Nicholas Lavoy, who's uh, another candidate uh, for city council at large. Earlier we heard from... Uh, 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 John Davis, who's a candidate, but prior to th- prior to the interview starting, uh, I said I would try and get this song played out. Uh, this is going to be Jimmy Allen going out to uh, Emily, who was uh, when I last week I had asked for uh, people's requests on favorite songs and whatnot, and uh, she had said this one was it, but we didn't have it in a library at the time, but now it's there. So uh, I'm going to try and play this for you guys, and we'll be right back after this. Flesh and bone, heart and soul, and I've earned a couple scars. I've let once in a lifetime kind of things slide right out of my arms. I struck out, I've been knocked down more times than I can count. But that don't matter now. Cause when you smile, I see the sun sink down on a coast out in California. And there's no doubt because of you, I'm not the man I was before you. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, dokes, girl, you know I'm not. But I'll love you with everything I got. Girl, I'll give you my best shots. spark inside of me that no one else could find your good morning eyes they get me high girl you're always on my mind cause when you smile i see the sun sink down on the coast out of california and there's no doubt because of you i'm not the man i was before you i'm not saying that i'm perfect oaks girl you When I saw you for the first time I knew I found amazing grace It's like angels singing every time I hear your name When you smile I see the sun sink down on the coast out in California and there's no doubt because of you I'm not the man I was before you When you smile I see the sun sink down on the coast out of California And there's no doubt 
Alrighty, folks, we're back. That was Jimmy Allen, uh, best shot for uh, Emily. We did that song. Uh, well, I couldn't do that song last uh, last week, but we got it in today. Uh, we're gonna. This is the Paul Soul Girls show from seven to nine. We're in studio uh, now with uh, Nicholas Lavoy, uh, who's a candidate for city councilor at large. Uh, so, Nick, we're gonna. Uh, I have a break coming up, but prior to that, can you just give us a quick uh, kind of who you are uh, and exactly what you're doing? Oh, uh, Nicholas Lavoy, 23 years old, uh, lifelong Attleboro resident, um, obviously running for council at large. Um, you know, I coach for a lot of years, so I'm active within the community here. Um, but I really decided to get into this race, um, you know, after I had a car accident last year. Uh, couldn't walk for a bit of time and really just decided that this is the time to jump into the uh, political pool. And, uh, you know, really get involved for a community I care about and I've lived in for, you know, my entire life. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, we're going to let's take this quick break and then we'll get back. We'll get into more of the the issues and uh, exactly what we're going to do here. We'll be right back after this. The South Attleboro Lions Club and the South Attleboro Village Lions Club are holding their 30th annual Lee's Pond Festival on Saturday, September 15th from 1045 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Lee's Pond in South Attleboro. There'll be live music, children's games, fun booths, horse rides, wrestlers, canine dogs, and much more. Admission to this event is free, and the Lions are also providing free hot dogs for everyone in attendance. For more information, you can contact Ken or Karen at 508-226-0448. Rain date will be on September 16th. For over 47 years, Amigo Inc. has been offering services and programs for children and adults with autism spectrum disorders and other disabilities. Located at 33 Perry Avenue in Attleboro, Amigo has been committed to building vital relationships while expanding their community ties on the local level. Amigo provides day programs, transitional planning, and a continuum of services to support all ages. For more information, you can visit their website at AmigoInc.org. You look nice. How is work? Well, it was fourth period civics. <clears throat> the kids were giving me the third degree. Was a UFO seen hovering over Washington, D.C.? Was a fisherman attacked by a 320-pound shrimp? They'd been bitten by the fake news bug, all right? And it was holding on like a driver's ed student to a steering wheel. How was I going to get a bunch of wide-eyed kids to wise up about what they see on the Internet? Then it hit me. Like a dodgeball on field day. The name of the game was News Snoops. Each student got an article and two minutes to decide if it was credible or a fake. They were able to use fact-checking sites to get the cold, hard truth. Now the little hotshots are even teaching their gullible grannies a thing or two about phony news. But how was your day? Pretty good. I got a new title today. Office birthday party planner. Oh. Fun. Teachers just have better work stories. If you want a creative job worth talking about, head to teachdfw.org. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Summer is here and music fills the air of Capron Park in Attleboro every Thursday night. This week, Concerts in the Park showcases Super Chief, 
a group with the upbeat sounds of swing and New Orleans R&B that are sure to get you up and dancing. You can watch this program and all of our quality programs from around the area in high definition on the AACS mobile app. Alrighty, folks, we're back in studio with the Paul Salguero Show. It runs 7 to 9 o'clock. Today we had uh, John Davis, who, was a can- who is a candidate uh, for city council uh, at large from the 7 to 8 segment. And now from the 8 to 9 segment, we have Nic- uh, Nicholas Lavoie, who's also a candidate uh, for city council at large. Nick, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, different being here at night as opposed to the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the... Uh, I like being here at nighttime yeah. too, but um, so for our listeners, tell us. You know, we did a little brief one because we had to. I wanted to get to that song, but again, uh, who, who's Nick and uh, what's going on, and wh- why are you running? Well, uh, lifelong resident, as I said, uh, one thing I run on is my slogan uh, for a stronger community. Um, so you can take that as everybody wishes. My perspective is, you know, a safe environment for everybody, which is my public safety um, running point. Uh, strong economy, uh, obviously jobs, better income, less taxes on the people, or a happy life. Um, so that's another running point. And a good education, so a future for your kids. And um, a good special education program. And we have a great one, so keeping that funded is a huge aspect for me. So those three points are what really is a strong community to me, and that's you know the focal point for why I'm running. And you know it's great to be able to actually tell people why I chose that slogan and why it's so meaningful to me. Yeah, yeah. And what exactly? Uh, you know, if you could touch upon each, each of those things. What's one thing currently that's going on in the city that you'd want to change, and how exactly would you want to go about doing that? Certainly. So, um, you know, you see downtown for economic development, it's vacancies downtown. How do we work with that? Well, you know, the mayor's looking to get an economic developer, which is fantastic, and that's somebody I would work with hand in hand. Um, having a foot in the business industry. Um, I know what business owners need and look for. And speaking to a new business downtown just last week, they're like, yeah, we didn't get any help from the state or their local government. And that's an issue because there's hundreds of state grants, federal grants for small businesses that nobody uses, and the money just sits there. So how do we create a, not a committee, but just a group of people, counselors, city, you know, economic developer, whoever, how do we get them to find those grants, find help, find other business owners that are willing to lend a hand or you know, maybe the right bank to give them funding. All things like that we can touch into to create that. Yeah, and uh, and you touched upon uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, businesses earlier and everything, the restrictions that they have in the city. So it'd be nice to see, you know, a little leniency on that and try to really, you know, because I always say, you know, everyone tries to re- resort to, oh, we need tax cuts. Like, that that's one thing, but business owner isn't really concerned too much about that. They won't worry about, is my... Is my place going to be employed, and am I going to get customers? That's kind of that's yeah. basically ultimately as a minister, That's what you worry about is if you, is your is your company going to be successful in that city? Yeah. Um, well, what I what I tell not to interrupt you. What I tell people when I'm out and about is you know taxes. The only way you're going to keep taxes lower on the people is having businesses here. The more re- we restrict on a business, and the less we have on a business, and the more that leave, the more it's going to depend on the citizen tax. So there's no in between it's you know you have more businesses less tax on the people less businesses more tax on the people so you want more business as a, as a citizen of the town yeah. not just the shop app but you want to lower your taxes your best bet is to get more revenue created from business tax yeah absolutely that's why we were talking earlier about um kind of the jewelry industry and how you know people don't realize it was one seeing it was great seeing so many uh, jewelry manufacturers but that's the biggest thing too is that tax that uh, that the, those businesses take on that because it's it's less on a, a homeowner. Yeah. You know what I mean. 
But uh, you know, you touched up, you asked, you talked a little bit about uh, public safety. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. That's kind of my background too in criminal justice. Uh, what is it currently that that concerns you with public safety in our, our city, and what's some of the things that you'd like to see uh, change? Well, I think uh, creating appropriate funding. Um, they are funded. How good are they funded? Well, that's one thing I will be trying to meet with both chiefs. I actually called the uh, department today to try to get a meeting with the police chief um, to kind of figure out what restraints they have and um, things like that. Um, so, of course, appropriate funding. Uh, looking at are they paid adequately. We do have a lot of newer officers who do leave in a short term. And I can attest to that. Having friends on the department, they can tell me, you know, people leave or people want to leave. So we need to make sure they're getting paid um, up to par with surrounding departments. And then again, having them being funded, being on the Rhode Island border and people, you know, want medical marijuana here. Uh, not medical, sorry, recreational. And we're going to have that here. We voted on it, you know. So making sure they have the right tools, whether that's, you know, funding for, say, canine or just funding in general is something that, you know, Everyone wants safety. You know, yeah, everyone oh, yeah. doesn't want safety. Absolutely. So. I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, it's weird. When when I was running, we hear the same thing. as It was funds. It's money. Money's yeah. what drives, uh, you know, these uh, everything. It, it, you know, yeah. lack of funds for education, whether it's public safety or whether it's, you know, you pick any issue. It's always, you know, yeah. we need more money for this. We need more money for that. Um, good. Now, you mentioned the marijuana, and that's a, a topic that's come up, too, in, in our city. Is it, uh, how do you feel about, uh, you know, the industrial zoning um, for the five uh, dispensaries they mentioned? Or do you think it should be uh, commercial zoning? And exactly what would, what's the difference in it? And, uh, you know, why should the citizens even care about it? <laughs> well, I think to limit them to industrial is definitely uh, more of a hardship on the business that a lot of people don't realize. So when you're going to get insurance on your business, uh, being an industrial zone, um, there's going to be a tendency for higher value assets in that given area, which leads to more break-ins or um, just more insurance liability. So if I'm opening a marijuana shop next to, you know, I won't name the business, but the supply store on the uh, east side of town, well, they have millions of dollars in inventory. So they're a hot spot for, for anyone, you know, looking to break into something. Um, so that does stipend insurance. Um, my take on it is a little different. I think that it should be broken off into zones. So your zone would include commercial and industrial business fronts, keep them away from the school, however many feet you want to determine. But you have a set zone they're allowed to be in, five different ones. Uh, with that map of five zones, you would then hand that over to the police chief and allow the police to patrol those zones accordingly. Because I do know the chief is you know, against it or at least wants to hold off and figure out the safety concerns. But being able to give them a map of where they're allowed to be can allow them to effectively patrol the five areas rather than just saying industrial. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, I was talking earlier with uh, John Davis and uh, against, you know, about the marijuana industry. Now, you know, like I said, I think it's a stigma that's still around uh, the, the drug. And I think that's kind of part of like the, the, the backlash we get from the community. But, uh, you know, let's talk about some of those uh, restrictions. Like you mentioned, you know, away from a school. What exactly do you think is appropriate? Should we treat it as, you know, the same as a liquor store? Or is the, how do you feel about it? I mean, I got hit by a drunk driver in November. So to me, the argument is kind of like, you know, if you treat alcohol a certain way, why aren't you treating marijuana a certain way yeah. or tobacco? Granted, it alters your state of mind. Totally get it. Never personally smoked marijuana, but I understand that it alters your mind. So does alcohol. So 
Why we're treating one thing different than another, I don't know. You know, that's kind of within the body that we have right now. And um, I'm not going to undermine what they think. They're, they have to, Everyone's entitled to their own reason. My perspective is it shouldn't be treated differently than alcohol. But if we're going to treat it differently based on the crime stigma that's attached to it from the police department, then I think the zoning map's the best way to do it. Yeah. Saying they can only go industrial is kind of, it's kind of steep to me. Personally, I think it's steep. You know, tell an alcohol store that they have to go to the industrial only too. It's not fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think part of it too is just the, the where we are in the process with marijuana in general yeah. in terms of legislation and, and kind of, because I, I think part of it, you know, they want to see how it, how it starts off. Yeah. I think that's, you know, whether, you know, it turns into commercial eventually would be one thing, but at least they're getting those five in at first and seeing how it plays out. And then maybe later on, if, if you know, if they see it takes off, maybe branch off into a commercial yeah. uh, industry too. Um, you know, we, we talked a little about, we, you know, we talked uh, prior to the show and kind of talked about some issues that we'd like to talk about. Uh, the, the Highland Country Club, their committee meeting is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was at 7, I believe. Um uh, what's your take on the country club? What should we do with it? Uh, do you have any specific opinion on uh, the country club? So I was in favor of purchasing it, um, me myself in favor, but from a constituent standpoint of Atterboro, it seemed like it was about 80% were in favor of it. So I think the council made the right choice um, on a you know representation level of Atterboro. Uh, on a personal level, I was in favor of it. And, you know, as far as what to do with it, I think the best idea is to set aside an eight, uh, you know, set like a, probably 16 acres for a solar farm. That seems to be one of the larger scale ideas from everybody uh, overall. And in, in a generation where we're green, 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 we're worrying about recycle and this and that, and you know, how can we turn down something like a solar farm? And I think going about it, it's something where we have to you know, buy the panels, not lease them, so we can own them outright as a city and, you know, cut costs on schools, and also make money in the long run, pay for them themselves over time. It seems like it's, you know, one of the no-brainers. And then, you know, the rest of the land, I think, is it's cool to have walking trails, and it's cool to have the stuff that people want to have, but I think the solar farm is one of those ones where it needs to be done. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that, that, you know, we've seen that nationwide, too, these solar farms where, uh, you know, sometimes they'll provide electricity for an entire street, too, if they, uh, if the, uh, if, a res- if a resident gives up the their land to have one as such. But uh, what about you know? I asked uh, John Davis this too earlier. What's the feedback been like? What are the residents saying? What are their concerns? What's come on some of the issues that you've uh, run into? You know, I think from from my feedback, I've gotten a lot of. It's really driven away from funding education, and obviously, education's a a concern of mine and everybody's but what I'm getting a lot of is the worry about taxes are they going to keep going up are people going to afford to stay here and you know can I afford you know maybe to put my kids through all these sports because what if taxes go up another bit next year so it seems like you know financially that's the main concern and um you know, that's just really the feedback I began. Is people just worried about everything, and it's it's crazy. And I did listen to you know the segment before this, of course, um, and like my competitor was the opponent was saying, um, you know, in a, a time where the economy is so good, it is crazy that people are so worried. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, and I think, you know, uh, 
I didn't get to mention earlier, but I know when I ran, I was running into senior citizens that the, who were seriously contemplating leaving our city due to affordability, you know, and that's, uh, it's sad that that's happening. You know, I don't think anyone should worry about, especially Atterboro being the history that it has. I hate to hear from someone that they're thinking about leaving because it is a good community. You know, we, we like any others, we have our ups and downs, but I think overall it's a, it's a good place to, to raise a family, to, to run a business. But, uh, but all right, we're going to take a, a quick break. Uh, everyone, we're in the studio with Nicholas Lavoie, who is a candidate for city councilor at large in Atterborough this coming election. Talking a little bit about his background, kind of his views on specific issues. If anyone has a question, you can call, uh, you can call us, uh, 508-222-1320, or you can send an email to uh, paulo, P-A-U-L-O, at W-A-R-A-Radio.com. We'd be happy to, you know, I'll put, if you call, I'll put you on the air, or uh, if you want to email we can, uh, I'll ask the question if you have it. But, uh, but all right, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about uh, Nick's background and kind of more things that he wants to see in our city. We'll be right back after these messages. Stop and Shop is sponsoring a free Healthy Kids Summit at Gillette Stadium on Wednesday, September 19th from 4 to 6 p.m. This will be an afternoon of play and fitness. Kids will participate in games to learn about exercise and nutrition. The Healthy Kids Summit is open to all kids ages 6 to 14. The event is limited to 400 kids and their parents or guardians. Mental health, just like physical health, is an important part of every person's overall well-being. Learn about the many issues surrounding mental health by listening to our new show, Exploring Mental Illness, everything you wanted to know but were too afraid to ask, on Mondays at 6 p.m. on WARA 1320 AM. You can also listen for free by subscribing to the Exploring Mental Illness podcast on the iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn platforms. Find out more information by going to WARARadio.com and clicking on podcasts. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally just shorter. As in I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Alrighty, folks, we're back on the air, the Paul Salguero Show from 7 to 9. Today's segment, we had uh, 7 to 8, we had John Davis, who's a candidate for city council at large. And from the 8, to, from the eight o'clock to 9 o'clock, we have Nicholas Lavoie, who's also a candidate at city council at large. And, you know, earlier we talked about, you know, Marijuana zoning, how Nick feels about it, public safety, and then briefly on uh, some of the topics of special education. But, excuse me, i like to talk more about a little bit about, uh, you know, your, your actual personality because I think it's one thing to talk about the issues, but I think people also like to hear about who the person is, uh, how they are, and whatnot. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing, you know, where you went to school, what you've done, and whatnot? Yeah, certainly. Um, I one thing I get is the uh, the photo that aired, uh, not aired, but was in the Sun Chronicle. It was a really serious photo. I was on a time crunch for the photo. But um, anyone who knows me knows I'm a pretty funny, outgoing guy. Um, I care a lot about the city and 
I always try to give back to the city. And, you know, I've coached uh, AYB. Um, I coach Pop Warner football, coach freshman football. So I really stay involved with the community. And I take a strong bond to the, the youth that we have and want to make sure they have the best place to grow up, want to make sure they have, you know, jobs here in the city to go on and that they'll be able to live here for as long as I've been able and then more. Uh, but a background on me, you know, 23 years old, lived here my entire life. I'm in Vine, Juan Soda, Adderall High graduate. And so I really just, I, I've always been in the city. I went to Lowell for a couple of years for college and then decided to open a business instead and uh, kind of just went with that. I went for criminal justice and, you know, I took a business course on the side and I'm like, oof, I, you know, I really kind of like this more than I like what I'm going to school for. And uh, so I took some more courses on the side and really just kind of dove into that. So that's kind of what I've been doing, running my own business and just volunteering as much as I can. I do volunteer with Special Olympics a lot. I do the fire truck pull uh, over at Mansfield. I've done that. Let's see. I didn't do it last year because I got in the car accident, but before that, two years in a row, and that's a great event that I love doing, and it'll be coming up again. I don't know if I'll do it this year, but it'll be coming up in October. Um, so that's something to look out for for everyone on the air. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what ultimately made you want to put your name into this? I feel like there's always uh, you know, a driving factor about why somebody wants to run for office. Was there a specific issue that made you want to run? What exactly got you into wanting to even get involved in politics? Well, I've always been interested in politics. I've always been, you know, whether it's, I'm always debating about it, uh, been on the debate club. So it's always something I'm interested in. What caused me to dive into this was, um, you know, really seeing downtown the way it is. And it's like, we do the revitalization, not much changes. We do this, not much changes. You know, we watch a new store come in and it leaves. And it's frustrating. You know, my grandmother owned a store back when the downtown was booming. She owned the Slim Shop, Madeline Livingston. And I remember going there as a kid, and downtown's booming. And then when, you know, you and myself are in middle school, we have the Wednesday night market, and downtown's still booming. And, you know, now to look at it, it's sad. It's like something you see in the movies, and it really, really struck that passion to want to change that. And then once I get hit by the drunk driver in November... Um, I kind of just thought, you know, that could have been it. You know, I could have been gone. So this is kind of my time. And I know you had ran, which kind of got me thinking, like, you know, I'm at the age where I can do it. People took you serious. Yeah. And um, we're in the generation where people want to see younger people involved. That's one thing I get. It's great to see people our age involved. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what I like to see or what I would love to see across – uh, the political aisle, whether it's a city or to the national level, is honestly people from all different backgrounds, because that's truly how you get a, a true representation of the community. It's, you know, it's not all 70-year-old millionaires. You know what I mean? You need, uh, you know, millennials in there, you need older generations in there. And it's, at least that's my opinion, how I feel about it, because that's, you know, the if you have everyone that talks alike or thinks alike, in my opinion, that's probably not really representation. Yeah. It's not representing your community accurately because not every person is on that. People come from uh, an immigrant background. People come from, uh, you know, a business background. I think everyone can contribute to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but you know, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the things you want to see, the Wednesday market. Is that something you want to see come back to Attleboro? 
Yeah, I spoke about that before with uh, Dominic, and it's something I definitely want to see come back. Um, it's something I, regardless of the outcome, I will work to get that back. Um, I think there's so much that we didn't touch on with it. We have the CTE program, and we can use the graphic design to do free advertising for new businesses within you know the surrounding area. So if you're a business owner and you want to come to Adderall, well, now we can offer you a free year of advertising to the Wednesday night market. And... You know, those kids are going to get their feet dipped into the real-world climate of what they want to go into. And the school can sell stuff. You know, culinary, carpentry, all those apartments can sell stuff. And I think they were looking into a hair studio for the uh, tech program. Yep. And make it come cut hair, you know, with the public. Yeah. And, and, and for our listeners that are listening that maybe not be familiar with CTE, it's just career tech education. Uh, in Attebro, we have uh, welding, carpentry, uh, medical assisting, um, you know, electricity, uh you know plumbing they have all the uh, graphic design automotive you know i know when i was when i was in there i did uh medical assisting we we were you were in a tech program Uh, electrical technology oh yeah yeah yeah, mr gallucci yeah yep and uh awesome we want to see wednesday market come back uh businesses and you said uh, you're involved in business too what exactly what's your business what what do you do exactly so i own a uh what sunset architectural lighting it's uh, outdoor lighting uh, low voltage, so basically like your driveway patio, you know, walkway lighting, pool lighting. Um, just got into that really. Actually, it's funny. I got involved with it um, from my former boss. We both left and started that, and uh, you know, I'm hoping next year I'll really kick things off where I want them to be. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going good, and it's it's great to be able to, to – do what you want to do and take pride in what you do and to be able to say, you know, you can do something for yourself and you don't have to rely on someone else and, you know, knowing you can provide for yourself. It's a good feeling and, you know, that's what I want for everyone. I want programs here in Adbro that will say, you know, we can get you that. We can get you a business if you have, you know, the good background for it and you know what you're going to do. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and being, uh, you know, a millennial too, we're around the same age and I'm just curious, what, what is it that you feel is the biggest... Um, kind of political battle right now or issue that's going on whether it be at the city level or the national level what do you think is the biggest uh or what's the one of the biggest things that annoy you and in, in, that we see oftentimes in politics i hate one thing i hate now is everything every single thing is politicized i think that's changed over the years um you know like disaster relief in puerto rico is now politics and you know Shoes are politics. Everything's politics. And even if I'm going door to door here in Atterboro, it's what party are you? You know, who do you vote for? You know, I'm not running for a party. Like, I'm running to represent you. I'm running for the better of Atterboro. Uh, it's a non And even when you tell people, oh, this is a nonpartisan race, this is just, you know, a council. Yeah. Well, what party are you? To me, it's like, let's just step back from the politics. And let's just worry about fixing the country, fixing your community, you know, fixing our general lives. Because at the end of the day, we need to fix what we have, and we can't rely on everyone else to do it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I say it all the time. You know, everyone's always worried about, a, you know, a presidential election when I always say, honestly, that the, 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 the election you probably should focus more on or at least pay attention to is your local elections because that's yeah. honestly – you know, the national affects your everyday life too, but at the local level, it's really – that is your everyday life. Those are yeah. the streets you're driving on. Those are the you know the people you're talking to, the the businesses that are you interact with, and that's kind of you know. I mean, at least in my opinion, I think local politics is you know some of the most important ones to yeah, to really pay certainly. attention to. Um, 
Now, you talked a little bit about, you know, you said everything's politicized and stuff. And just because I'm interesting, you know, you mentioned uh, kind of the shoe company and whatnot. You know, do you, do you think that, do you think it's making things politicized? Do you think it's uh, a bad thing? Or do you think it's kind of spreading the awareness about a specific issue through that venue, kind of? You know, I think, I, I think it, what happens is the politicians divide intentionally. You really rally up voters that way. So if I can convince you to hate someone so much, you're going to vote against them. And if I can convince you know the other guy to hate someone else so much, they're going to vote against this guy. And it, So I think you force companies to choose. As a company, you can say, all right, what side are we going to choose? Who's going to buy our shoes more? Or if this side buys our shoes already, and you know they're not buying anymore, so we're going to go with this political campaign and get all these people to buy our shoes, you know, so we choose this campaign and now hundreds of thousands of, you know, left-wingers or right-wingers are going to buy our shoes. You know, it's, to me, it doesn't seem like they care about the movement. It's about, you know, what side's going to make us more money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you know, we talked a little about, let's get back to a little bit more of the the local issues too. Um, One thing I was curious about, you know, we see the Highland Country Club uh, I'm sorry. Let's go back. Uh, we, the the water superintendent uh, kind of conflict that we had in Attleboro, uh, the council not approving right away the candidate, and then later on um, the mayor thinking about vetoing uh, that piece of legislation for the uh, the marijuana industry. Do you think that was? You think that conflict was political pettiness, or do you think it was truly uh, logic behind uh, kind of the issues sh- surrounding? Um, in our community you know I would hate to think that so many councilors would do something like that if it was a political base I, I really think that there was an issue that we don't see yet and you know I could be wrong I don't know it's all you know no one can talk about it legally so we're yeah. all left here to guess yeah 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 so I mean I, I would like to think that if someone's going to put their political career basically on the line they have a good reason for it and, you know, that's what I have to run with. And, it's, you know, the majority chose it. And you have, you know, essentially, I know it's nonpartisan, but here we go, right? Naming parties again. But you have councilors that do represent two different parties, and they're voting the same way against somebody. You would like to think that they came to agreement that, hey, maybe this isn't the right call. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if I got on and I look and I say, you know, this person doesn't have anything against them. I'm going to vote that person's way. So I'm not going to you know, work against someone if it's wrong. I'm going to do the right, I'm going to make the right call. I just think that to discredit a majority of the council would be heartbreaking if it's true, but it's hard to discredit them right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, we're talking a little about the, some of the local issues we have in our community with Nicholas Lavoy, who's a candidate for city councilor at large in the city of Attleboro. Uh, if you guys like to send in some questions at paulo, P-A-U-L-O, at W-A-R-A-Radio.com, feel free. Or you can give us a call at 508-222-1320. Uh, we'll be here until 9 o'clock taking uh, questions. And, uh, you know, if anyone has a specific concern they have within our city, uh, feel free to, to call us or send us a message. And, uh, but right now we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back after this message. The Atterboro Health Department offers back-to-school vaccinations for students, in addition to lead testing by finger stick. If parents have questions or want to schedule an appointment for vaccinations, they can call the public health nurse, Jackie O'Brien, at 508-223-2222, extension 3244. 
Please remember to bring your child's current immunization record to the appointment. The following is made possible by Dad. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling all over it. <laughs> the Dad Joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. Why do you have to be careful when it's raining cats and dogs? Because you might step in a poodle. <laughs> and kids that spend more time with their dads grow up to be smarter, more successful. Can I tell you a cat joke? Just kidding. <laughs> and with any luck, funnier adults. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Because he didn't have anybody to go with. Dad jokes rule. So take a moment to make a moment and give your kid a laugh. <laughs> it's as easy as going to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. <laughs> That's really funny. Does your back hurt after a long night's sleep? Has your mattress seen better days? Is your current bedroom furniture a mixture of different furniture sets? The Bedding Center, located on Pleasant Street and proud sponsor of this radio station and high school sports, offers a wide array of mattresses along with beds, bedroom furniture, and odd-sized mattresses and box springs. You can reach them online at bedding-center.com or by phone at 508-226-8090. Alrighty, folks, we're back on the air. It's the Pull Us All Girls show from 7 to 9. Earlier today, we had... Uh John Davis, who is a candidate for city council at large, running um, for political office. And now we have Nicholas Lavoie, who's in studio with us, who's also a candidate for the same position. Um, Nick, uh, one thing I, I, you know, I always enjoy hearing is that, you know, what are some of the campaign stories that, that you're hearing on the, the trail? What, what is it that families are concerned about? Because, you know, when I ran, everyone had a specific issue or something that was bothering them. What exactly is it that, that you're hearing? I think... Um First would be, well, my first thing that really hit me was having a teacher from middle school, um, someone who I looked up to. I go to her house, and I didn't know it was her house at the time, and, you know, knock on the door, and, you know, OMG, look who it is. And uh, so, you know, and I'm talking to her, and she's talking about being here for 40-plus years, and, you know, she's looking possibly to move because she's on a fixed income, and taxes are raising and this is going up and that's going up and it's so so disheartening to hear and again that's why the economic development's huge for me and like that is a driving force when i hear things like that out on the trail man it like lights a fire you're like i looked up to this teacher for four years and then i visited Wamsada after and i still look up to her and you know, to hear that, so disheartening, and it just makes you want to change everything in your power that you can. And I know the outcome of this race is a year, but my promise is if I do win, if you choose me and elect me, that year will be a big one. I will do everything I can and put in as much time as I can to change every aspect that I can so that people have a better quality of life here in Atterboro. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you as you campaign, what's the feedback been like being a millennial running? Is it do you get the criticism like, oh, you're too young, you don't know about these issues, or you know, are there are people encouraging you to, to, to continue with it? What's the feedback been like? Well, first, I, I don't. Most people don't know how old I am. Talking to me, um, being involved with business a lot um, prior to opening my own business, management and uh, supervising. Um, people always thought I was older. I'd, talk to people and they'd be like oh what are you 
you gotta be what 30 32 talking on the phone like i'm 23 you know like what oh my god but you know so a lot of people don't know and then when i tell them like oh my god well you know what i don't mind so it seems like a lot of the aspect is people nowadays are really starting to fall with it but you get the people that are like well what do you know and i'm like well you know I wouldn't have had to take a tour through the high school when they held one, you know. Hey, yeah. councilors, mayor, come through the high school and see how it is before we vote. Look, I've been through the building. I can tell you everything about it, how to get to every classroom and whatnot. So it's things where it's like a local level, where things that have affected me and you that may not have affected someone 10, 20 years older than me. To me, that's like, you need it. I think a good council is a portion of every age group. You know, three people from our generation, three from the middle. And three from the latest. Seems like a more logical thing. I think you need more minds knowing about, you know, issues me and you face or we did face going through the schools. Sure. Or, um, so someone from, you know, the time where there was a booming economy might not know how it is now with, you know, a minimal economy. It's just one of those things where if I grow up in a situation where I can see it collapse and I can see how it affects families now, how it affected my family, and how it affected our schools, I know firsthand. And that's something where I'm like, I just like, you just want people to realize yeah, yeah, how much you know, even though they tend to undermine the age. Yeah, because, I mean, you, we, we've lived through it. We went through the, and you know, we were talking earlier with John Davis, and he said he was advocating for the same school issues 20 years ago. Yep. That tells you something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why are we still talking about the same issues that the city faced 20 years ago? Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, do you think it's, you know, as people campaign, they I, you always hear some of the similar topics. Economic development and education always pop up in almost every single race. Yeah. Do you think that's because of a lack of attention that these issues are actually ha- have had to them? Or do you think it's just po- politicians n- not doing the right thing when, when talking about it? You know what I mean? Like, why are we still talking about education, you know, the same issues our school faced 20 years ago and today? Yeah, I think um, I think it kind of piggybacks on my point of, you know, some of the people you have representing, and I'm not bashing anybody. It's just the generation you're raising. They don't understand the struggle or, you know, what it's like to not have enough textbooks in a class. Or when you do get a textbook, it's moldy and the pages are warped and the book's got no covers and missing this page that you need for this project. And yeah. You know, they haven't been through it, so when they hear education, they just think, oh, you know, we just need some pencils and paper. You know, whatever they may think. I think they don't know enough to be like, that's a big issue. We need to do it. They're yeah. just like, look, it's education. The schools are there. Kids are learning. They graduate every year. We're just going to push it off a bit, and we'll get to it. And then they never do, and it's just an issue after issue. Whereas now, you know, our generation, we're getting involved, and we're saying, look, there's an issue here we need to fix, and we can attest to it firsthand. So, yeah. you know, now with technology, you saw firsthand, unlike the Everything Attleboro page, there was students putting up photos within the high school of yeah. just, like, decrepit situations that were there when me and you were there in, yeah. you know, 09 to 13. They, those same issues were there. All of those photos were things yeah. that me and you saw. Yeah. And, you know, it's still an issue. So now you have someone like myself, and like, those are issues, and those are big issues, and... Those are issues we need to tackle today. Uh, again, I think that's where the age plays a big role, and I think that's why we should have a multi-generation council. It makes the most sense to me, and even national government should be the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I know, 
You mentioned the books. I remember being in school and, you know, wanting to take a book home to, to do homework or whatever for a certain chapter or section in the book. And, you know, we couldn't take it home because there wasn't enough for, for mm-hmm. the rest of the class or whatever. And I said, you know, even then I was like, that, that's horrible, yeah. you know, that a kid can't take a book home. And now they're resorting to a lot of, you know, online school, yeah. online homework and whatnot uh, at, the, at the high school level. But it, it's, uh, you know, it's... It, it frustrates me hearing the same thing over and over every election regarding our, our schools. And, yeah. you know, Attleboro isn't bad considering some of the other inner city schools. Yeah. Like, we think we had it bad with the books, but there are some schools out there that have it so much worse than, than Attleboro did. But, uh, you know, a li- little bit more, uh, you know, politics talk. What do you, how do you feel about the current uh, political climate in Attleboro, uh, you know, whether it's, the, the conflicts are, the mayor has with, or has had with uh, our council and vice versa. Uh, how do you feel about the overall situation in Attleboro regarding our political system? I think it's kind of disappointing. I think it's really becoming a divisive look locally, which you don't normally see. I think locally, typically, things are fairly well. People care about the city. People care about everything and uh, the people within it. And lately, it seemed like, you know, the Sun Chronicle has become the forum for battles. You know, you see an article yeah. of so-and-so against so-and-so, and it's back and forth nonstop. And I think it, it looks foolish to me. It looks real foolish. I think if you're in Taunton and you read me, because they get the same paper, and, they, you know, they maybe they get the Attleboro one or they look yeah. online and they see that. How does that look? If they're, if they're not doing that there, how does that look here? I think... I think they all need to get together and figure out, look, you know, we disagree on things. We get that. It's going to happen. That's human nature is to have different ideas, different values, you know, different religions or whatever your background may be. It's, everyone's different, comes from a different place. But what do we need to do to get along, to get things done for Attleboro? I, I'd hate to see it become like a political movement of like reject everything from this guy and that guy. You know, it's you see it on the national level when a president can't get things done by Congress and you know, and then it just goes on for years. We don't need that here. We have yeah. real issues here in Attleboro that need to get, you know, put to the front of every effort right away. Yeah, I mean, at the national level, we have people, you know, when Congress can't, uh, you know, agree with one another, you know, they have a sit down. Yeah. They just sit down and the government just shuts down, which, which yeah. honestly, I, I feel like that should be illegal. I know. I, I, mean, I don't think our government should be able to say, yeah, we're going to close, we're going to close the doors. We're going to sit down and, yeah. and they'll you know, sit in there for like close shop. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They're overnight and uh, you know taxpayers I mean? are paying for catering. And it's, uh, it's the, <sighs> the, you know, from, like I said, political pettiness, it happens from the city all the way up to the national level. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing that I think, uh, nowadays, and it's getting more, I think, with, at the national level, but just because, you know, you know, President Trump and the how often he's on the media and whatnot. But it's uh, it's one thing, you know, I, I just hate seeing the divide. It's us versus them, as opposed yeah. to just uh, what's the overall, what policy is the overall thing that can honestly help the the greater good of yeah. the people. That's how. Uh, I think it should it'd be. You know, I think it's it comes to, like, you know, parents or teachers would tell you in school, pick your battles, you know? Yeah. There's battles that you shouldn't fight against, you know? If there's something that's going to benefit the economy overall, don't battle against that. Battle against something that matters and yet your constituents care about. And it's just tough to see. There's, you know, it's so much clashing for so much unneeded things. Like, yeah, like you said, I mean, locally, nationally, 
things just need to get done. We're at a time when things need to get done, and with technology being the way it is, it's it's tough because it allows so much more. I mean, you see the president tweeting every day. You see, yeah. you know, politicians live, you know, live streaming that they're gonna be disruptive in a, you know, Congress forum and like what? You know, you're a politician. Look, just do the job we're paying you to do. Do what your constituents want. Do what's better for America. Let's yeah. just get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna we're closing in on uh, our one hour that flew by. Uh, if you know, if um, well, let's get this. If people wanted to contact you, uh, ask you more about your political views, what you want to see in the city, how can uh, how can they even go about doing so? Yep. So I have a Facebook page. It's Lavoy for uh, Councilor at Large. Um, I have a pretty good following. I'm at. I'm always very active on it. Um, so you catch me on there all the time. Um, and you can email me at uh, Lavoy for at large at gmail.com, L-A-V-O-I-E. Uh, and you can also call me or text me, 774-266-1634. Um, you know, if I don't answer you, feel free to shoot me a text or just text me. A lot of people I find, you know, it's intimidating to call someone you don't know sometimes. So feel yeah. free to text me. Um, I don't mind that. You know, I have unlimited texting for a reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm very good at getting back to people. Um, you'll find that I'm randomly up at all hours of the night and up at all hours of the morning. I rarely sleep. It's just something I've never done. Um, it's for I the get, week. Yeah. It's for the week, I say. I get. Uh, I used to get that when I managed. People would text me at like 4 in the morning trying to call out for like a 7 a.m. shift. And I'd be like, yeah. okay. Like, what are you doing up? <laughs> I'm always up. Yeah. But uh, all right. Let's um, – We'll get a couple more uh, questions in. So let's say, uh, you know, growing up, was there a specific mentor or maybe politician, someone you looked up to in in the city of Attleboro? Hmm. City of Attleboro. I mean, I, I, politician stuff. I always looked up to my grandparents being business owners. Um, my grandfather um, actually, you know, did a show here on WARA. So I look up to them, of course. Politician-wise... That's a tough one. I yeah, I'd probably say maybe. I always thought George Ross had good values. Um, you know, he was gonna run on this campaign. He he actually um, for the seat rather. He didn't run. Uh, he said that the other morning on um, Kane's show. But uh, I think his values were always right. You know, in the right place. I think he cared about people, the everyday people, keeping food on their plates and just taking care of the everyday people. Yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna wrap up the show uh, shortly, but. Uh, you know, you listen to your show. You, you've seen what I, I usually do at the end. Uh, I always like to ask, and I think it helps our listeners to kind of understand how the person thinks. Uh, it, you know, the question is, if you could talk to anyone from history and ask them one question, uh, who would you want to talk to and what would you want to ask them? Oof, I think I have a few, but I think uh, maybe Paul Revere or anyone from the Patriot Movement. Uh, I think I want to know. How did they react the first time someone said, do you want to revolt against the biggest power on earth? You know, like, yeah. what goes through your mind and what kind of courage does it take to say, yeah, let's do that, you know? And that's something that's always, you know, got me curious. I love history. Love the revolution. I love just the whole thing about it. And I just think, like, what went through their mind? Yeah, absolutely. That's an awesome one. All right, folks, that's going to uh, – do you have any uh, last closing remarks you'd like to make? Or when's the election? What, you know? Yep, so the election's November 6th, and – you know, I really would love your vote. Um, you know, I hope that people find that we need some young blood on the council. Um, I, I think whoever wins will do a greater good for Attleboro. At least I hope. Um, I, 
would never say anything bad about my um, opponents. I think they're all great people and have the best, you know, interest in their heart. Um, but I, I, like I said, I hope you think young blood's the way to go and um, someone with a lot of energy and ambition and just a want and a drive to get out and change Atterborough for the greater good and to create a strong and safe place for our youth to grow up in. Absolutely. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, next week we'll be at it again for 7 and 9. Next week we have uh, Fred Uriot for the 7 8 o'clock segment. We're going to talk about being a first-time home buyer. Fred Uriot's a real estate agent here in the local area. And then from the 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock segment, we're going to have Ty Waterman on, who is another candidate for the same position that Nicholas Lavoy and, uh, and John Davis are running for. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for today. You know, I hope you guys learned a lot. I hope you, uh, you know, learn more about the people that want to represent you i think it's a good forum for our, our candidates so uh yeah let's gonna wrap it up it's gonna so we'll be at it again next week from wednesday seven to nine again thank you